Hi, this is Danny Cox, and you're listening to 90.1 FM KKFI Kansas City Community Radio. Support for KKFI brought to you by the Jewish Community Center of Greater Kansas City, presenting the Broadway musical Kinky Boots with 11 performances between January 28th and February 19th at the Lewis and Shirley White Theater. For more information, including tickets and showtimes, visit thejkc.org or call the box office at 913-327-8054. The views and opinions of this program are those of its host and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 90.1 FM, KKFI, Midcoast Radio Project, or its staff and volunteers. about it is appealing everything the traffic will allow no way could you get that happy feeling when you are stealing that extra bow there's no people like show people they smile when they are long yesterday they told you you would not go far that night you open and there you are next day on your dressing room they up the props, the audience that lifts you when you're down, the headaches, the heartaches, the backaches, the flops, the sheriff who escorts you out of town, the opening when your heart beats like a drum, the closing when the customers don't come, Before the show has started That your favorite uncle died at dawn And top of that, your partner have parted You're broken-hearted, but you go on There's no people like show people They smile when they are long Even with a turkey that you know will hold You may be stranded out in the cold Still you wouldn't change it Well, hello and welcome to this edition of the KKFI Arts Magazine show. I am Michael Hogue, your host. Glad to have you with us on Championship Monday, should we call it that? As you listen to the Arts Magazine show right here on KKFI 90.1 FM, your community radio station right here in Kansas City, 
Hi, Michael Hogue, your host, of course. Glad to have you with us. As, uh, as always, we are in the midst of our uh, spring, our winter, technically it's still winter, winter fundraising drive right now. And if you are interested in supporting Community Radio, that pledge line number, write it down right now, 888-931-0901. Or, of course, you can go online at kkfi.org and make your uh, pledge of support that way. A more, a more private uh, way of doing it. But, of course, you're always welcome to do that. And we welcome your donations no matter what way they come in. We're, we're here to uh, help support the community. And uh, you can't help it but notice that uh, along with all the excitement, how much I haven't heard any bickering all day long. I've been around several places already this morning. No bickering. Everyone seems to be, at least for a while, uh, happy with the way things are going on. And, uh, uh, you know, having something that the community can rally around really helps that a lot, I think. Glad to have uh, glad to have that happening. Devin Carney is with us. They are in the midst of all this. They are preparing the Kansas City. He is the artistic director of the Kansas City Ballet. They are uh, preparing their show, Cinderella. Welcome welcome back to the show, Devin. Always, always nice to have you. Oh, it's fantastic. And uh, wow, let's just Say it again, go Chiefs, huh? That's Amazing. right. It was very, you know, this championship thing is getting to be old, old hat. I, I should, I've probably jinxed it now just by saying that. Now, you've been in several places where uh, foot, football reigned supreme for a time mm-hmm. in New England right. when you were with Boston. Did you ever? Boston with the Red Sox, that's the right. Patriots, and the Celtics. Let's remember them too. And the Bruins. Yeah, they were quite a, they're quite a sports team. Uh, centered a city and it's really thrilling of course to be living in a city where such strong sports present pre- uh, is is presented uh every year i'm so thrilled for the chiefs didn't, it's been really exciting didn't you tell me in a previous interview that you were, you wanted to do a ballet maybe it was just a, a small appearance in the ballet of of one of the hockey players oh yeah 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 well that was um that was Bobby Orr in, in while I was in Boston. Bobby Orr, famous Boston Bruins player, uh, made an appearance in our Nutcracker there, which was really fun. Uh, I mean, number four, Bobby Orr, he was amazing. So for any of your listeners out there that have that much long-term memory in the hockey world, uh, yeah, he was quite the player. Amazing, oh, well, well, he was team in general. For, for folks that can't remember or all that Bobby Orr was well he's in the Hall of Fame for hockey I think he was like the Boston uh, George Brett or or in the future and he's a defensive man but yet he was one of the highest scorers on the team and of course he's the guy who made the final score that got the Bruins their their uh cup that one particular year in the 70s but that's yeah. there's a there is a and those good times move on now here we are with the chiefs incredible what uh, mahomes has done so i'm really thrilled about that there is a connection often between the arts and and sports yeah. uh they're, they're yeah. they both have to be in shape they both get injuries uh have you ever known one of your dancers to have a high ankle sprain Oh my goodness! We have the the you name the injury and a dancer has had it. Um, so uh, yes, for sure. Um, I actually had sprained my ankle pretty badly high up once uh, as a dancer. So I can completely relate to what Mahomes was going through and how 
that one particular tackle, I think it was before the halftime, that uh, really tweaked it badly, I could tell. I'm like, oh, I know what it's like. I know what it's like. And sure. he really, it's amazing he was able to push through. Uh, really, really quite a quite a performance by him and, of course, the whole team. Oh, of course. You know, I, I have a high ankle sprain right now myself. It's not very comfortable. Uh, <laughs> you can blame mine on the the weather <laughs> last thursday's weather was especially uh, bad for me <laughs> but uh yeah and oh oh and everyone that heard about my injury uh had to laugh and normally that wouldn't happen but hey when one of the famous people in town <laughs> has, a high, has a high ankle spray that you find it humorous yeah and injuries a part of uh, the arts as well as sports oh, yeah. uh and, uh, you know, injuries notwithstanding, you are about to, well, you are in the rehearsal week, opening February 17th at 730. You will be producing Cinderella. Is mm-hmm. that is it's going to run the 17th, 18th and 19th, uh, respectively on the 17th, 730, the 18th, 730. The 19th is a Sunday afternoon matinee. Then it will come back for more performances on the 23rd at 730, the 24th at 730, the 25th at 730, and then an afternoon performance on the 26th at 2 o'clock p.m., more than your usual number of performances, uh, usually. Yeah. Except for Nutcracker. And and we do have a matinee on that last Saturday as well. Oh, okay. So two of them. Okay. Two o'clock and seven o'clock or 7.30 on that day. You're working these young people pretty hard. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's a, a, yes, we, there are a few more shows. We normally in two weeks, we'll do six shows. We're doing nine. Uh, There's also a student school type matinee performance as well, um, which is not so much quote unquote open to the public, but Mm -hmm. we are doing a performance. So uh, it's, it is quite a yes. It's an undertaking, but um, you know it's a very popular story, and we know that, of course, people are excited about having a chance to see such a classic tale um, told in uh, our art form. So more shows. Yeah, they, and now you and the audience have heard me say this before, but when I was in grammar school, we got to go to lots of things. Uh, we went to, they called it the Philharmonic in those days. We went to huh? most of those presentations. Mm-hmm. We we saw things up at Municipal Auditorium in what they were calling then the Little Theater. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember seeing lots of things up there, a, as well as the circus. <laughs> Got to see that too. But boy, I for a while there, the, the, the kids weren't getting, uh, you know, trips out of school to see uh, right. arts type things and my interest in these matters probably uh, stems from seeing those performances then yeah exactly yeah because that's where your appreciation of the arts hopefully can start is when you're young and you're able to just appreciate it for its enjoyability and it's you know uh, the storytelling that goes along with it um, and being able to be taken on a journey, you know, and, uh, you know, a kid's imagination is, is a wonderful thing. So, of course, that lends to the experience is the imagination of the individuals in the audience, especially when they're younger. So, especially, yeah, yeah. I can completely believe that that's where your appreciation for the arts could come from. Oh, it was, it was fascinating to sit in the audience and see yeah. the stage lit up. And it, mm-hmm. 
-hmm. It was just fascinating. I can't explain it any more than that. Is Cinderella going to become uh, another nutcracker for you? Maybe not as many performances, but will that be something we see pretty often? Uh, well, there are so many things to talk about or, or present um, that, you know, I would say yes in terms if you're looking at a five-year history, like we might do it again in four or five years. Hmm. That's, that's the kind of length of time because there are so many other wonderful stories uh, and work that we want to present to our Kansas City audiences. So, you know, Nutcracker is certainly going to be our annual affair. But beyond that, we don't want to, you know, spend too much time repeating too many things because then our audiences would not get the full breadth of uh, the kind of works that are available to them through uh, our Kansas City Ballet repertoire that we present. We're speaking with Devin Carney. He is the artistic director of the Kansas City Ballet, talking about uh, other matters for, for right now, but primarily about the production of Cinderella, which opens on Friday, the, uh, on the 17th anyway. Yes, that's a Friday. The 17th mm -hmm. at, the, uh, at the Kauffman Center for the Performing Arts. You can go online and learn more about it and other information at kcballet.org. And the ticket office number is 816 8993. And I rem want to remember the audience before I get too far behind. I, I tend to talk too much and I get behind. We have a Champlain's Challenge going on for our fund drive. Val Andrus has put up $100. Now, don't let her get away with uh, getting to keep that. Uh, if you call during the hour and uh, all of your donations put together match $100, she coughs up. The $100. So you can take advantage of that and all that goes on. And to do that, all you need to do is call 888-931-0901 or go online at kkfi.org. She, she wants us to have the money. That's why, that's why she made the challenge. So come through with it. Make her happy. Make me happy. Make the station happy. And help support Community Radio KKFI. Now, I spoke to you right after you called. We weren't on the air yet. With with you opening this Friday, I would say that right. the big parade that's planned, and we know they're big, and this one will be just as big mm -hmm. as the previous two we've had over the last several years, the Royals World Series Parade and, uh, uh, and the first uh, uh, Super Bowl victory by the Chiefs a few years ago. Uh, it was... As, it was a humongous turnout, and, uh -huh. it's, and it's in the Union Station area, and your headquarters, while you, where you rehearse, is uh, right by there, so it probably plays havoc, I'm going to guess, with your rehearsal <laughs> schedule. <laughs> havoc would be the understatement, uh, <laughs> you know, with the, somewhere around estimated, you know, they say half a million people will oh, be yeah. Yeah. descending upon Union Station area. So, uh, yeah, we've actually, when, when I heard that that was the day of the parade, you know, first our hands went up and we're like, oh, no, what are we going to do? But then we, you know, got our brains, uh, put our heads together and started thinking about it. So we're, we're adjusting our rehearsal schedule um, and we're actually going to be in the Kaufman Center, which is just up the road, by the way. Uh, from where we rehearse uh, in Union Station. Uh, so we're, we're, we've adjusted everything, the musicians and the dancers and the crew and everybody. We're just going to 
slide our rehearsals out of that time area so that everybody can enjoy the parade and we don't have to worry about all the parking. Uh, you know, yeah. we've got it all figured out. And we're really thrilled, you know, that they won and uh, that the parade will, will happen, which is really exciting. Yeah, well, well you, you didn't know you didn't know till about after nine o'clock last night that there would even be one. So that's good planning mm-hmm. on your part to. Uh, oh yeah, we we looked ahead. We knew we knew we'd have to think about this. So. Yeah, yeah. Devin Carney is with us, the artistic director of the Kansas City Ballet Cinderella. If they've never seen it, hard to believe. But if they've <laughs> if they've never seen it or heard of the story, would you like to briefly do a Small thumbnail sketch of uh, the story behind Cinderella and sure, and what some sure. of the big well, uh, dance you know, numbers I'll, are. I'll, I'll say that you know Cinderella is is a, a story that um, actually is quite quite old. You know, when I started working on Cinderella, I started doing some research and realized how you know this goes back to almost uh, somewhere between seven BC and AD twenty three, where there was a Greek story about. It, not named Cinderella, but the concept of the story of a young girl who is in a destitute uh, situation uh, with what seems to be no way of ever uh, her her condition changing uh, is magically um, trans transported, transformed, and transported to a world far beyond her imagination where she is you know a princess or a queen or uh and you know the riches are are all over the place for her um and that sort of story has been going on since basically you know around the time of christ um with this greek story uh where (laughs) uh where this egyptian uh greek slave uh was uh bathing um in egypt uh, and was bathing at a, a you know in a, a, a river and uh, an eagle came down and picked up one of her sandals and flew to a neighboring community where the king of egypt was uh in an outdoor setting you know uh, making rulings uh, uh on you know important things and um this the eagle dropped her sandal that he had, the eagle had picked up in his lap and, you know, because of the shape of the sandal and the strangeness of the occurrence, um, he sent his men in all directions into the country in a quest for find the woman. Um, and they did. And he, she came back to that city, which was in Memphis, uh, in Egypt at that time, and uh, married her. And she became the queen to the king of Egypt. Um, and, you know, there's other stories like this through time, one in in China in around 860 A.D., uh, about another sort of concept like this of a, a young girl who lost her mother and was living now with her father and a stepmother and two stepsisters. And, uh, you know, I won't go into it too much because there's it's, a, it's quite a wonderful, interesting folklore story. But the point is, is that this was in China and it was... Um, the same basic kind of story of a young girl who finds herself in a tough situation and is, you know, transported uh, through magical powers uh, to become uh, a queen, or in, in this case, a, a princess um, of the land. Um, and the same thing holds true with the Cinderella story that 
we know of today, which was um, first written, the name, the title Cinderella first became a reality in 1697 with the uh, version written by Charles Perrault. And then there was another one written by the Brothers Grimm um, in 1812 in the Grimm's fairy tales. Um, so, this, you know, the story basically is of a young girl. Um, her name is Cinderella, and it's a derogatory name, uh, which, you know, kind of like, you know, when Christians were first named Christians, you know, it was something that um, the Romans uh, named them that because they were like, it was derogatory toward them. Christians. And in this way, Cinderella, the stepsisters named her Cinderella because she's always got her hands in the cinders of the fireplace. So, you know, it's a bit of a mocking name from the, from the stepsisters' point of view. So these stepsisters and stepmother uh, are very mean to her. And, you know, her job is to take care of the house and do all the chores. And the stepsisters are pretty lazy and don't want to do anything. And her stepmother, as well, um, is very bossy. And one day they get an invitation uh, from the, the prince, uh, Prince Charming, uh, from his palace, saying all eligible young ladies uh, will be there. Will be a ball held, and all eligible young ladies should come to the ball, uh, so that uh, the prince can meet them all and perhaps maybe make a decision on who will become a princess uh, with the prince of the land. Uh, of course, that mother and the two stepdaughters are excited and, and, you know, get prepared and rush out the door. And the stepmother says, absolutely, you are not going to Cinderella. And so she's left behind. It's a very sad moment. But Cinderella is an internal optimist and just is okay. Well, you know, she figures out a way to still somehow maintain her hope and happiness um, and dream of her own prince that she makes up with inanimate objects that she has in the kitchen. Um, and then all of a sudden, her fairy godmother makes an appearance and tells her that she can go to the ball and she gives her all sorts of gifts that will help her become, uh, get her prepared to go to the ball with, you know, um, a cape and a pair of beautiful glass slippers, which are shiny rhinestone point shoes for us, and uh, a lovely cape, and of course a pumpkin that will transform into the carriage, and um, all these beautiful, the seasons of, uh, you know, like fall, winter, spring, and summer uh, are ones that bring these gifts to her. And then she goes off to the ball, and there she meets the prince eventually and the stepsisters meet the prince and there's some really funny stuff that goes on between the stepsisters and the prince as well as the prince's friends and the prince discovers and meets the uh, cinderella they fall madly in love and the midnight hour strikes and she as was told by fairy godmother earlier in the story was you know you have to leave the ball by midnight because all of these magical things that you're now wearing will turn back into what they were before. Um, and she rushes out at midnight, and of course, one of her shoes falls off on the way up the stairs and out into the cold night air. Um, the prince finds the shoe and uh, says to her court, his court, I am going to go find this young lady and find who it is that fits this shoe. And on we go to the rest of the story, which is that the next day, 
the prince, uh, you know, is on the search and comes to their home, and um, the shoe fits. That is, of course, (laughs) after the stepsisters uh, and stepmother try the shoe on first because they won't let step the, the Cinderella try it on. And the shoe falls out of Cinderella's dress, the one that she has, because hers did not change. And the prince makes the connection between the shoe he has and the one that is discovered there in the house. And the prince and Cinderella are reunited, and they live happily ever after. Yeah, that's a a nice story, a nice happy ending story. Yeah. uh, You know, it would would be great to... uh, to, to bring the classroom too, uh, I I probably t- say that too much, but I I remember how much myself and my class was affected by seeing the shows like that, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. especially the one. It, it was one of the Shakespeare's. I rem- I remember that well, and uh, uh, one of the characters passed on during the show, and that was kind of shocking. But uh, wow. this happens yeah. in the arts, <clears throat> you know this. Yeah. This happens, and uh, oh, it, it was great to see. It was uh, it was so well acted, and uh, I'm sure Cinderella will be uh, the same yeah. way when it opens this Friday at seven thirty. And if you're if you're lucky enough to have yourself or your child be able to uh, to attend this show, uh, you should jump on that. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's a wonderful experience for them to see something like this. It'll It'll change the tone of their thinking about the arts for years and years to come. Yeah. It, yeah. it really will. Um, and we have wonderful sets and costumes, you know, so it's it's a full full production, uh, you know, in, in every respect. And the music, of course, I can't, I'd be neglectful if I didn't mention the incredible score by Prokofiev, Sergei Prokofiev, that was written in between 1940 and 1945. Um that is being conducted by Ramona Panskrau, our music director, um, and of course, the musicians uh, that are accompanying us are the uh, amazing Kansas City Symphony. So everything about this production is completely live. There are no uh, parts of this production that are recorded, or there's no movie that goes on. This is a live record performance, and so it's one of a kind of event. You know, it's Every show is unique and slightly different because everything in it is done by, you know, uh, live performing artists, which is really exciting about the performing arts. I love that about it. It really is. Yeah. Speaking, of course, with Devin Carney, the artistic director of the Kansas City Ballet. If you know much about Devin, you know that he likes to put his own mark on things sometimes and uh, <laughs> make changes. <laughs> In several in several different ways, usually, and uh, I'm sure this production of Cinderella is no different. But uh, and yeah, you know, I some some people have told me they they don't like to tweak with things that are longstanding mm. and very successful. Well, that hasn't stopped you, sir. No, well, I can tell you the wonderful thing about Cinderella is that it's a story that's been around for literally practically forever, right? Uh-huh. Uh, at least we know of it in in our you know, collective consciousness since 1697, when it was first written and titled Cinderella. Um, so there have been so many versions of it that, you know, you, you have a lot of latitude. There is no, like, right way or traditional way that this is the way it has to be. Maybe the story, you know, the concept of the story is the same, but, you know, the details of how you tell the story are 
many different versions. Uh, ballets, you know, the ballet's been done since uh, with the Prokofiev music since 1945, but, you know, there were productions done as early as 1812 uh, that were uh, ballet productions, uh, not the same music, of course. And then you've got, um, you know, the Frederick Ashton version in 1948, done for the Royal Ballet. There's one that was by Ben Stevenson in 1979, one by Christopher Wheeldon, 2012. And then you've got all of the, you know, movies that have been produced about Cinderella on top of that, Michael, with the, the very first one being done in 1899 that I can find out about. And Disney even did one in 1922 that was only seven minutes long. And then, of course, there was the one in 1950, which we all know, the Disney production of, of uh, uh, Cinderella. And there's so many different live productions as well, you know, with uh, live actors as opposed to animation um, that have gone on through the ages. Um, and that's what's so fun about the story is that there's there's a story, but there's all this room for personal interpretation, um, even to the extent that the sisters, the stepsisters, are not actually named. So it's kind of fun to actually name the stepsisters. And I had a really great time <laughs> thinking about their names, which was really exciting. And when I finally told the dancers what their names were, they were thrilled. They had such a great time, and it totally changed. It amplified their interpretation of the roles, which was really great. So there's all sorts of fun stuff to do. So, yeah, it, it's more of my own interpretation of this classic tale. Uh, rather than like I'm changing something of what is the expected version, you know what I mean? Uh huh. Well, since you're not having a rehearsal Wednesday for obvious reasons, <laughs> <laughs> you probably are today. But just tell me if you can. Can you hold on for uh, for a few minutes with me here, or do you have to okay. move along? Go for it. Okay. All right. We're I'm going to keep uh, keep Devin here uh, on hold essentially while we talk about. KKFI and its fundraising drive. It's the Winter Pledge Drive, uh, and it's going on right now. Uh, Mixmaster Link is with me here in the studio right now. Oh, boy. I tell you, you know, it's such a great show that you produce here every week, week in and week out. Uh, who benefits from Arts Magazine? Well, for one thing, uh, the guests benefit because they get a 100,000-watt amplifier to their voice so that they have a chance to reach public that they couldn't reach through any really other venue in town. I mean, they could call up every commercial radio station and say, hey, do you mind if I do an interview? <laughs> and you know what that answer would be. And <laughs> the other people who benefit are the listeners because now the listeners get to hear about all these different opportunities in town that they wouldn't hear about necessarily otherwise. So we're benefiting all sorts of people. And how does it exist? It exists because of the, the donations we get from our listeners. Our listeners, we are a listener-supported community radio station. Uh, the listeners are the ones who keep us here, keep this arts magazine coming at you every week, 52 weeks a year, through your support. And right now we've got a Champions Challenge that's running through this show, $100 from Valerie Andrus. But it's up to you as a listener to say, hey, I recognize the benefit. I see how this is helping us out. Uh, let me throw some of my money in. This is like, you know, we give it to you for free, but we're setting our tip jar out now. This is time for you to throw a little money in that tip jar, and it'll be doubled with the match. 
So it's from now until the top of the hour, and that's only uh, 29 minutes left. 888-931-0901 is the number to call if you're on your lunch break. If you're driving in your car and you don't want to mess with your credit card, you can call that number and say, hey, here's my name and address. Send me a bill for this amount. And then you'll get a bill in the mail and you can you can respond to it at your leisure. Or you can go online if you're sitting at your desk and go to kkfi.org and make that donation as well. This is your chance to show some love to Michael Hogue and all the effort he puts into coordinating this. This is your way to say, this is a value to our community. Thanks, KKFI, for providing it. Again, that's 888-931-0901 or online at kkfi.org. More than more and more people are doing it online. Have you seen an uptick in online uh, donations? We, yeah, we've seen. Well, this morning I, I had the full boat in the last show. I had, uh, I had uh, people who did it online. I had people who did the bill me because they didn't want to fiddle with their credit card in the car. I had people just called in who were at home and called in and gave me a credit card donation. I had ones who said, I can't come up with it all at once, but I, I would give $10 a month or $5 a month. So we had the monthly donations. We really had a little bit of everything this morning. And it, it we make it easy for you because we don't want to burden our, our listeners and supporters. We want to be good to the people who are good to us. Be one of those people who is good to KKFI, who supports the community. And, you know, keep in mind there's some people listening right now who cannot afford to help us. Do you want to help them out by keeping us on the radio? You can be someone who helps keep this community service to all members at all levels of, of wealth. Those who are at the lower end of the spectrum benefit from us being here. If you can afford it, it's your chance to be benevolent to the community. Be a good citizen. KKFI.org or 888-931-0901. We got uh, Mark and Bryce next door ready to take your pledge and, uh, and do the good. Michael, thank you very much for everything you do every week. It's always a, a pleasure to have you on here. Well, thank you. <laughs> it's nice of you to say. We we want to help out and do as, as much as we can. The pledge line number, once again, is 888-931-0901. And as I said earlier, uh, Valerie Valerie wants us to make this pledge. So, uh, so. She wants us to make the match, so go ahead and uh, and do that. Uh, help support community radio, KKFI. We have a lot of fun here as well. And I have noticed the community uh, has been more personable during the last few weeks. Let's hope that continues. We want to have a wonderful parade on Wednesday, and we want to uh, uh, keep this community spirit up. It's it's very helpful whenever this happens. Uh, often things go back to normal within a few weeks, but let's make that uh, positive community way of thinking. Let's let's try to project that a little bit more, yeah, at, at least for the near future. Let's take uh, a break here, very briefly, and when we return, more with Art Carn. Uh, uh, <laughs> I wonder if he's related. We'll be back with Devin Carney, uh, the artistic director of the Kansas City Ballet. When we return, you're listening to the Arts Magazine radio program right here on KKFI. 90.1 FM. Freeze frame! 
Hi, I'm Russ Simmons with Freeze Frame, KKFI's weekly look at the newest cinematic fair in theaters and streaming. Attractive, likable stars can't save the creaky, warmed-over Netflix rom-com, Your Place or Mine. Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher play long-distance friends who hooked up once 20 years ago. She's now a struggling mom living in L.A. who wants to take a class in New York City. He's a wealthy business executive living in Manhattan who needs a change of pace and volunteers to watch over her son. So they temporarily swap living places. Will they ever realize they belong together? Do you really have to ask? This story is riddled with rom-com cliches, and the movie wastes a talented supporting cast that includes Steve Zahn and Tig Notaro. With Your Place or Mine, a good cast got saddled with the script of a second-rate Lifetime movie. Jenna Malone and Danny Houston starring the creaky midnight movie entry Consecration. Malone plays a disturbed young woman, the sister of a priest who died by suicide at a remote Scottish convent. When she visits the nunnery to investigate her sibling's death, she discovers that evil forces are at work. There are a few unforeseen twists in this plot, but they don't really provide the movie with a satisfying conclusion. Consecration commits the worst sin for a horror movie. It's dull. Playmate and Baywatch star Pamela Anderson does some serious self-reflection in the warts and all Netflix documentary, Pamela, A Love Story, produced by her son, Brandon Thomas Lee. An avid diarist, Anderson reads from her journals, providing an interesting perspective on her experiences. While she doesn't flinch from admitting her flaws, Anderson also embraces the chance to set the record straight about her life and infamous tabloid scandals. Well, that's it for this edition of Freeze Frame. Until next time, I'm Russ Simmons with Fox 4 and KKFI-FM. Freeze Frame! Thank you, Russ. We always love having Russ on and his perspective on on the films that are going on and all of that. Uh, Hopefully some really good ones will come out for us in the near future that he'll be able to talk about. Welcome back to the Arts Magazine Show right here on KKFI 90.1 FM, your community radio station right here in Kansas City. I'm Michael Hogue, your host. Remember, our pledge line number, 888-931-0901 or online, of course. People love doing things online these days. KKFI.org and make your contribution to community radio, the community as a whole, uh, and all of that that goes on. Love love doing that, and uh, let's keep this community support uh, going for a long, for a long time now. It's It's at a height at this moment. Let's keep it around for a while. That's what I say. We're on the line with uh, with Devin Carney. You still with us? Uh, I, yep, I certainly am. Yeah, I, I'm right here. Well, I I love having these conversations with you. We get into philosophy, and uh, <laughs> and and you're very informative. You you told us the history of Cinderella. <laughs> I've never had a guest do that before. That's uh, that's but that just tells me that you do your research. Right. And things like right. that. Thanks. That yeah. I, I have well, to. I have to ask about the carriage. Uh, are you having a sure. carriage especially made for the show? Well, uh, uh, well, it's made from a pumpkin, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, it's specially made. <laughs> <laughs> 
and it just uh, suddenly appears. Obviously, not. I need I need some magic, and we you know we found a fairy godmother that can fill in and help out with that. So you know we got it we got it covered. <laughs> it's a do beautiful all, carriage. Do all the young do all that young dancers want to be Cinderella? Uh, but I assume there's some that would like to be the fairy godmother. There are some that would yeah. like to be the stepsister or or oh yeah or there, the stepmother. There are plenty of challenging roles, which is one of the things I like about Cinderella. It's not just, well, if you're not Cinderella, you don't get to do anything. It's not that kind of ballet. So there, there's, there is, yes, there's Cinderella, uh, which, you know, is the title role. Um, and, of course, it's, it's her journey that we get to witness. Uh, and then there's also uh, Prince Charming, who is, uh, you know, the guy who she meets. Uh, he comes along in Act Two. Um, and you know, he's a, an interesting character who has a, you know, a little bit of his own self doubt and, uh, Cinderella really brings confidence to him through her, um, confidence and her eternal optimistic, hopeful attitude that she brings. Um, there are indeed, as you mentioned, the fairy godmother, of course, which is the all encompassing good one of the entire ballet. Um, and, uh, She's a great role. She's very calm and sort of omnipresent, you know, and she goes on this entire journey along with Cinderella, so she's in the entire show. And then, of course, there's the crazy, uh, wild two stepsisters, uh, which are truly, uh, oh, my goodness, I had so much fun choreographing the stepsisters. <laughs> they are a hysterical pair um, who, yes, they are mean to Cinderella, but they are also uh, so self-absorbed with themselves that they um, uh, get into some really funny trouble uh, in almost every scene they're in. Um, and then there's the seasons. There's these four beautiful fairies that um, you know each have their own uh, moment uh, in the spotlight. Um, and the prince has a couple of friends. They have some great. There's a lot of great dancing all the way through the show. Um, so yeah, they're. There, uh, there is a plethora of uh, soloist-type opportunities throughout uh, the production. Uh, so, yes, I would agree with you that there's uh, many opportunities in Cinderella. These are well-known characters. They kind of uh, have fallen down through history, mm -hmm. not just in Cinderella, but in other shows as well, not just in the ballet or, or in the mm -hmm. opera. But uh, uh, these, these are characters... There's usually in a in a show of that era, I guess. I'm going to stretch myself here. Uh, th there was often royalty, which was some sometimes uh, not presented very well. Other times, uh, mm -hmm. well. And in this particular show, he is. He's kind of saves right. the day for Cinderella. Uh, but there was always there was always conflicts, and usually it was family conflicts. Is is this the right. way shows were written in bygone eras? To uh, did the public identify with uh, situations like that? Especially, is that why it got the play that it would usually get? That's a great question. Um, you know, uh, I think that family dynamics are always uh, ripe for interpretation and for telling the story of that we can all relate to. <laughs> And uh, 
this <laughs> certainly uh, has its moments of family dynamic because it's a second marriage uh, for the father, you know, and the daughter, Cinderella, uh, who is what becomes her stepmother. And she comes along with two daughters, and they are a bit of a spoiled family um, and expect others to do all the work for them. Um, and I, I think that that brings on, you know, <laughs> some really situational issues, uh, moments that uh, I certainly can say I would I capitalized on. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the years go by, the centuries go by, the millennials go by, but there's always the family dynamic, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a great question. Yeah. Speaking with uh, Devin Carney once again, the, the artistic director of the Kansas City Play. We're talking primarily about Cinderella. Opens on the 17th of Friday at 7.30 p.m., the 18th at 7.30 <clears throat> also as well, uh, an afternoon matinee at 2 o'clock p.m. on the 19th. And then we go to next week, the 23rd at 7.30, the 24th at 7.30. On the 25th, there are two performances, obviously, there was big sales for that Saturday afternoon yeah. show. Two o'clock PM matinee. And then Devin's gonna make him do it all over again at seven thirty that night. And he closes out on the twenty sixth at two o'clock PM uh, with a matinee as well. All at the Kaufman Center for the Performing Arts. The phone number to call to uh, make reservations or inquire about questions, eight one six nine three one eight nine nine three or go online, as people are want to do these days, kcballet.org. Now, Devin's thinking, mm-hmm. he hasn't left me enough time to talk about future things. I think we, I think we have some time today. So <laughs> tell me about what's coming up after Cinderella. And, well, um, you know, uh, first, the dancers get a little rest, <laughs> first and priority foremost. Um, and then we come back and we prepare for what's called uh, New Moves, which is a production that we present every year in our Todd Bollinger Center for Dance and Creativity. And this is a chance to uh, explore and experiment with uh, all new choreography um, that, is, uh, pre- that is created by some of our artists in the company as well as guests that come from other areas of the country. Uh, emerging choreographers who are um, desiring to create new works. Um, And we put that all on stage for one week um, toward the end of March. And then um, we head into our last production of the year. Um, Well, actually, I'll say just a little bit more about new moves. Uh, You know, we also have our we have a what's called our second company, Kansas City Ballet Second Company, and that's a younger group of dancers who are just out of high school, um, who aren't quite at that uh, totally, you know, ready for professional job level, uh, and they are uh, dancers that dance alongside our company at times, as well as do a lot of uh, community engagement type events uh, in local schools um, and senior centers. Um, but they also get a chance to perform in this production as well. So we have our whole second company that does eight work on the performance, as well as typically it's around six works uh, that are created that can range from 10 to 15 minutes each. Uh, so it's a really exciting night. Uh, I never know what to expect, 
and it always turns out really interesting. Uh, it's a great chance to see our dancers um, up close, and I mean that literally up close. Some of the seat, you know, the seating goes from the floor level uh, up, um, and you know, you you get you really hear them breathing. You see the sweat. Uh, they get right up next to you because they're you know they dance at the front of the stage as well as the back, um, and uh, it's it's really like a personal experience for each and every audience member. Um, and it's very visceral. And what's really exciting is that it's, you know, you get a chance to really see what could be, you know, tomorrow's great, like world renowned choreographers uh, today. And that also goes for dancers as well, because you get to see our second company, our younger artists who are aspiring to those professional jobs. And you're going to get a chance to see tomorrow's dancers that are going to be professional dancers either here all over the country you get to see them today as well so it's a wonderful opportunity just to really see a lot of invigorating new work um all condensed into one you know hour and a half event is it Um, is it going to be at uh at your rehearsal building headquarters. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so. Todd Bolander Center for Dance and Creativity, which is, like you said earlier, pretty much right next door to Union Station. <laughs> so it's, it's right there at the south end of the city. And it's easy to get um, to. I remember one past year when, when I saw new moves uh, back. Sly James was the mayor then because uh, mm-hmm. I, I was put right behind Mayor Sly. And uh, got a got a close up view of that uh, famous bow tie. Yep. Well, he had a collection of several bow ties. I'm not going to say it was. It's the same bow tie every time. But uh, he had a nice <laughs> he had a nice bow tie there, and uh, and he seemed to be very interested in all what was Absolutely. going on down there. You're, yeah, you're lucky to have uh, city leaders. I think that uh, yeah. are so supportive of what you do. Yeah, yeah. Mayor Mayor James was as well as Mayor Quinn. I mean, they're both. Very supportive. Mayor Quinn's come to a couple of our performances as well, whether it be um, at the New Moves or uh, especially at the Kaufman Center. So he's a great guy. I'm really, really thankful that he speaks on our behalf on a city level um, and supports the arts in general. So that's great. Yeah, the arts are are very important. That's Absolutely. They're a part of our cultural fabric, but they're also a part of our financial fabric. There are many, many jobs that are created uh, and sustained through the arts, whether it be symphonic or uh, operatic or balletic or theatrically speaking. Uh, you know, the, all these organizations employ so many people. Um, and, you know, those are, those are, that's revenue in our city that's generated, and uh, you know, it, uh, a vibrant city also has a vibrant cultural arts experience um, in an ongoing level. So, uh, uh, and I'm really proud of our city that we have all of those types of uh, arts available to the community. It makes a big difference in terms of the richness of our experience. You know. Oh, I think so. Yeah, more more is expected of you. Uh... How does Kansas City compare with like Boston? I would think Boston, with all the universities in the area, mm-hmm. that that would be a major arts area. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, everything is you know tied to you know uh, the uh, uh, what do you call it the demographics, the le- the number of individuals in a city. So you know a larger a larger city can support more arts, um, and you know Boston's or 
Boston or New York City or San Francisco, these are big markets for uh, for the arts because they have large, large populations. And uh, like I was saying a second ago, I'm really proud of what Kansas City can do uh, based on uh, our population size. Um, and it, it says a lot about the support that the community has for our arts. And I'm very grateful for that support um, every day that uh, people want to come and see us and they want us and be uh, have a great evening and enjoy the arts and be enriched in that way. Um, so I, I, I very much understand the proportional um, relativity of arts to you know the, the, the size of the cultural arts uh, in proportion to the size of the population. So we have it going great here. Of course, there's always room for more people to come see us or of see the course. opera or see the symphony, hear the symphony, or go to the, you know, um, the rep, uh, you know, or see something that Shakespeare does in the park in the summer. There's, there's just so much in the museums. Of course, we know we have such beautiful museums here that are world class museums. Michael, it's just, boy, you can you. I will go on forever if you let me about that. So I'm, <laughs> I'm really thankful for what our community does for the arts, and vice versa. We show our appreciation by putting on great art for this great city. Yeah, well. It's important. It's important yep. for many reasons, but I'm glad you put the financial thing in there. It does create a lot of jobs. And so it's very beneficial. And we're not talking about just the artists, the technical people, mm -hmm. the, the people yeah. the, the people that build your uh, your pumpkin carriage. And mm -hmm. <laughs> right. The, it also and it also supports the restaurants in the area, you know, and the transportation industry with, you know, just simply Uber as an example. You know, the Uber uh, drivers, you know, it's harder to get an Uber when there's a performance because there's a big demand for transportation. Um so all the restaurants benefit in the area from it. Um, the hotel industry benefits from it. It just goes on and on. Uh, the fabric, we're so inter interwoven into the city's uh, uh, financial health uh, through having strong arts. And yes, of course, it's great to have great, huge, you know, support for, you know, the chiefs or the royals. Uh, and... I mean, it would be amazing if we had that many people come to a performance. But, you know, we we are really grateful for those that do come and do cheer us on. And um, I I see the I see the glass more than half full. And I really appreciate what we do have. Yeah. you've And you've seen it in several cities. Uh, and That's right. I can't think of them all, but New Orleans, Boston, <laughs> right. Cincinnati. Cincinnati's yep. become a rival of us in recent years. Uh, did, 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 did they have a flourishing art scene in Cincinnati as well? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, yes. Uh, I was there for 10 years and got to know that city pretty well. Um, you know, and they, they too have their... Um, Cincinnati Opera and uh, the Cincinnati Symphony performs there, as well as, of course, the Cincinnati Ballet, um, and they have a, uh, a great theatrical company as well, um, and a, a lovely museum. Uh, and those were all important to me, Michael, by the way, because I am used to that in a city when I decided to join Kansas City Ballet's artistic director was that there was this vibrancy in the arts here in Kansas City that rivaled and 
could be even said to be surpassing my former city of Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's been really exciting to be here and to see our arts scene grow so much, um, and I'm really grateful for that. Um, in the time I've been here, it's just been wonderful to see how it just keeps growing and how audiences keep coming on. And I have to say this year in particular, I will mention this, Michael, is that there's been so much great support for the arts in the city this year uh, with COVID kind of waning. Um, uh, it's wonderful to see the outpouring of individuals who are coming to see our performances. I hope it keeps up, but I'll tell you right now, it's wonderful because everybody, I think, is starting to realize it's okay to come back to large indoor gatherings. And it's uh, pretty substantial what's going on right now. Uh, and that's not just locally, that's also nationally that trend is happening. So sure. I think people are really appreciating the arts more than ever because there was a, you know, um, a drought mm -hmm. of being able to enjoy the arts there for almost two years. Um, so I think it's been wonderful to see how people are, uh, you know, coming back to the arts, to live performing arts. So thank really. you. Thank you so much for coming on today, Devin. Cinderella opens Friday, February the 17th at 7.30. Performances continues on Saturday evening as well. An afternoon matinee on the 19th. Then next week, the 23rd, the 24th, the 25th. And there's also a matinee, in the, a Saturday matinee at 2 o'clock p.m. on the 25th. And closing out on the 26th with another 2 o'clock matinee. The Kansas City Ballet and their performance of Cinderella. Our guest has been Devin Carney, the uh, Artistic Director of the Kansas City Ballet. Thanks so much for coming on with us as well, Devin. Thank you. Absolutely. It's been a joy. Thank you, Michael, for your interest and your support of us, and uh, congratulations on all you have done over the years for the arts in the city through all of these wonderful interviews that you conduct. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. The Jazz Inside... Well... I've lost track. The Jazz Canadian will be with us. He'll be talking about uh, and playing some fine jazz for you this afternoon. Jazz from 1 to 3, the blues from 3 to 6, right here on your community radio station, 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City's community radio. And don't forget our KKFI pledge line that, uh, that Valerie Andrus uh, challenge is out there. $100 if you match the challenge. The number to call is 888-931-0901 or online at kkfi.org. Thank you in advance for all the support you, you give us and the radio station here at 90.1 FM KKFI. So until we meet, ladies and gentlemen, at that cross in the road, I'm Michael Hogue. We'll see you next time. Thank you.